Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Hi, Andy. Hey, Jessica. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. You ready to talk some Q-Who? I am ready to talk Q-Who. Um, we should welcome everybody. Right. And if they haven't listened, we should tell them who we are. So let's... Uh, hi, everybody. This is, <laughs> this is Andy Goldberg. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. He already said that, but I'm I'm new. I'm new to Star Trek, so it's okay. There you go. New to Star. She's new to Star Trek. I'm the Star Trek veteran. We're watching 52 episodes in 52 weeks to introduce Star Trek to Jessica. We are on episode number 19. Q-Who. Uh, not just me, but all of those friends and family and people who you know would love Star Trek, but it's such a crazy, big, large world that they don't know where to start. That's what this is for. Absolutely. So if this is your first time, we do recommend going back to episode number one and starting your trek right alongside Jessica. And for those of you that are continuing the journey, we've got uh, a little announcement before we get on with your um, spoilers, spoiler, uh, and that is that we have, we are changing our rating. Oh, yes, from G to PG-13. So hold on, folks. It's getting intense. Yeah. If you didn't catch the sarcasm. We're bringing it up to, uh, you know, that that 8 o'clock time slot now uh, where we can say um, some more, let's say, colorful metaphors, I think was the right term. And uh, it's not that we want to drop a whole bunch of F-bombs or something like that. We just really want to be free with saying something. And if it comes out to not have to bleep it or edit it out completely. All right. The truth is I'm a potty mouth and I have really restricted myself in doing this. I just, yeah. (laughs) So y'all have that to look forward to. You'll probably hear a little bit drop out of me too. So, uh, but, but we'll keep it professional. It's not like anybody under the age of 13 couldn't. It's definitely no worse than they hear at school. I think people under the age of 13 swear a whole lot more than I do, so I'm not worried about them. Mm. I'm worried about the parents parents that are pretending that their kids don't swear. That's the people that I don't want to offend. None of them are listening to us. Yeah. Because Star Trek is not (laughs) full of that. Anyway. As of this episode, we are switching over to PG-13. So so here it comes, folks. Oh, my. Uh, And with that, I think we're ready to to get into Q-Who. We've got our 10-sentence synopsis, which is mine this week, right? Yes. We've already met Guinan. Right. We know a little bit about her. We'll get to see her again in this. Um, uh, there really isn't. We, we know that Q had, I think I'd mentioned at the end of the last episode, Q has made a couple of extra appearances. He shows up every now and then and he's been, hey, we can say this. He's been a dick. Yeah. 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 So um, he has in the past and may continue in the future. We'll see what that looks like. That's it. I mean, there really aren't any spoilers here, uh, except for that we have seen Q pop up. And he's a continuum. And he is from the Q continuum. Yes. So let's dive into your actual 10-sentence spoiler synopsis thing. Here we go, 10 sentences. A young... Newly assigned officer, one Sonia Gomez, makes a real impression on everyone by first teaching us proper manners when talking to a replicator and then spilling her coffee all over Captain Picard. 
Picard doesn't have to change because Q waves his hand and the stain disappears and holy crap, what the heck is that dick doing here? And man, I'm happy I could say that now. <laughs> Q wants to join the crew. But the episode's not called Q and the Crew, so Guinan and Q square off prepping for a really big, flourishing wizard battle. The diplomatic Picard steps in and calms the situation down, or so he thinks, until Q sends the Enterprise 7,000 light-years away to give us a preview of things to come. Against Guinan's warnings, Picard decides to have a look around, and once again, Guinan was right. A huge, cube-shaped spaceship arrives, and cyborg creatures invade the bridge, as we have our first encounter with the Borg, the cyborg race that essentially destroyed Guinan's people. Phasers quickly lose their effectiveness as Borg adapt while studying the ship, and then they cut into the hull, literally carving the Enterprise into pieces. A few lucky shots and the Borg ship seems damaged, so we send an away team over to check that ship out, including some really creepy Borg babies along the way. The Borg ignore the crew as they regenerate themselves and their ship, so now would be the time to run. Unable to escape, however, Picard finally begs Q to help, which he does, leaving behind a question. Did Q help us by showing us what we'll be running into a little later, or hurt us by making it happen sooner? Nice. I think cutting the Enterprise into pieces is a bit much. There was like one thing that got pulled out, and yeah, it killed people, but I'm just saying, could have been a lot worse. Yeah, but that was kind of creepy how you, like, it, it literally pulled the... Like that yeah, cylinder cool. out and you could see yeah. the inside decks and stuff like that. Like that was, I feel bad for those 18 people in there. So did Sonia Gomez. Let's talk episode. Let's talk Q-Who. I got to say it. You did. You did. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'll give my rating up front. Three out of five Borg cubes. Three out of five Borg cubes. Because it was mostly meh, but it was slightly interesting. and then. Q is a dick, but a fun one, and <laughs> I really like Guinan, and Picard's overly cautious, and then admits defeat, and then, uh, what else? We get introduced to the Borg, which I'm pretty sure was the point of this episode, but it got a little lost seeing as how they only had, like, one line. Well, um, they're not big talkers. Yeah, they didn't seem interested in people at all. At all, at all. They, they are creatures of action. More than they are creatures of of talk. Um, they look like you, creatures of stillness, because most of them didn't move at all. Most of them didn't move, and we're probably very lucky about that. Do we want to jump right in and start by talking about the Borg? Yeah. Or where do you want to start with this episode? You want to do okay? Uh, so let's yes. start with the Borg because that seemed like the point of this episode, sort of. So so one of the big reasons for this is uh, to introduce you to the Borg, who are considered to be one of the big bads of all of Star Trek. Oh, all of Star, not even just Next Generation. Not even just Next Generation. Okay. They will. They will be. Um, a, a big player in the rest of next generation. And we're going to see more of them. Uh, and then uh, they will show up a little bit in deep space nine, but Voyager uh, without giving you any spoilers as to what Vo- you don't even know what Voyager is about yet. I don't even uh, know. No. Yeah. A- at one point Voyager must travel through Borg space. So is that, is that tense? Like in Firefly when they're going through the Reaver zone? 
Yes, and it lasts about four seasons. Oh, geez. <laughs> I thought this one was a long one. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope they get a little more interesting because as bad guys, I can see that they're very powerful. And they are a perfect setup for Picard because there is no persuading machines. They don't get persuaded. You can be all Shakespearean oratory and it has no effect. So as a bad guy to Picard, particularly, really effective, I thought. Yeah, he he's completely stymied at every turn. There's nothing that he could – everything he tried to do basically didn't yield any result. Well, I think he didn't push it far enough because there was result, but then he stopped. There was damage to that entire ship. And if he'd have kept going, he'd have still kept doing damage. They weren't healing faster than he was doing damage. And actually, if they learn over time, which I'm assuming that they do because they did about mm -hmm. the Enterprise ship – then this would be the fastest, most effective way to do it is right here, right now, before they've learned everything they possibly can about humans and the Federation and all of the ships and technology that they've already got. The problem with this kind of evil character is that if they're learning they, and they usurp all of your technology, then of course you can't fight them with your technology. Usually in science fiction, the answer is you go back to really primitive bullets. And they don't see that coming kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I've learned all of this from Stargate because the Borg are very clearly replicators. Or actually, replicators are pretty clearly Borg, only taken like one step further. Okay. and, and I, But having not seen all of Stargate yet, right. I don't have that reference. So I've got that to look forward to as a Borg-like race of some sort or species or whatever the heck they are. Yeah, where the Borg are half-human, mm -hmm. which I definitely want to talk about, because yeah. that's crazy. Uh, the replicators are all machine, and they get so far into AI that they want to become human, and then it gets a little bit odd. But before that, they're just machines that keep replicating. Interesting. There's a really... Uh, I actually thought that they were one of the best bad guys in Stargate. Well, and a lot of people think that the Borg are right up there in the top... The top bad guy list of, you know, of all time. You have mentioned the Ferengi, but that they were bad, bad guys, that they weren't yeah, very good and, bad and, guys. And if, if you can be patient for one week, you're actually going to get to meet the Ferengi TNG style. Okay. Next generation style. Oh, they, they also change? Oh, definitely. Yeah. They, like I said, they were not handled well in early next generation. They they get a, a bit of a makeover, and you'll see that makeover a little bit in, in Next Generation in these 52, but you'll see it a ton in Deep Space Nine because there's a main character that's that's a Ferengi, and gotcha. there's a whole bunch of them. Okay, but returning to Borg, so tell me what you can of them. The well, okay, so <laughs> tell me what I what I can. Um, they're in a lot of episodes. I can tell you that. It's uh, kind of a tricky question there. See, I knew because, but, but but I will tell you. So so this was the first actual experience with the Borg. This is the first time that we on Star Trek meet the Borg, as far as okay. as far as chronologically goes. There's you know. There could be time travel stuff that happens where we meet the Borg in the past, too. But Of course there is. Hey, we'll get into that later. Um, but this is the first time we meet them. They were still fleshing a couple of things out. Like the nursery thing, they don't revisit that. There's no way, though, that they don't revisit the connection of machine to human. 
There's no way. Oh, absolutely. They revisit <laughs> yeah. that. In fact, in fact, it becomes uh, a, a big part of their story going on is how they become even more threatening to to humans, humanoid life, uh, because they will acquire this. Well, they've already got it. You just didn't see it in this episode. They assimilate human beings just like they assimilate their technology so and it happens really quickly but that's not how they i mean they they have that they have babies right so they could if if they conquered the entire universe and all of the scrap metal scrap technology that they came across they could still reproduce they're not using humans as a way of fitting them into machines to grow as a species this is really interesting um I'm having an epiphany right now. Hey. Yeah, a little epiphany because I'm realizing that Riker was wrong. Riker misinterpreted the Borg nursery. Well, no, he wasn't wrong. But the conclusion that they came to was that they were born there was wrong. They were assimilated into the Borg Oh. So those babies aren't Borg. Those babies are humans. Yes. And, and I think it's interesting because I've always made the assumption that because of that nursery, mm-hmm. that there were, there were somewhere there were pregnant Borg or that they were reproducing them. But I think about a character that you will meet in Voyager, um, Annika, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. I won't spoil any more than that, uh, who was assimilated as a child. And that definitely would have looked similar. She was a little older than those babies, but it definitely would have looked like a child Borg uh, growing up with implants and growing up with that skin mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that gray stuff. So, I, so the conclusion that they were born on the ship and that they're being born there, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily correct. They may have been taken from someone er- somewhere else. Okay, and then that means that there's humans in this part of space that they were taken. Well, it certainly means that there are Borg that used to be human in this part of space, but they may not have been humans here. But no, yes, no, no, no. It's no. Very there's possible. babies, so there's humans who had those babies that the Borg took. They said they were baby humans, right? They didn't say they were baby Klingons or baby whatever Guinan is. Yeah, okay, so this is a new epiphany. There's lots of holes in this so far. Hmm, maybe it's not the way it is. I don't know. Um, I just, I, 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 it seemed weird to me that they would have that nursery, mm-hmm. and I don't think that they really thought it through because... It never comes up again. Gotcha. So all of this... Uh, you will see how new Borg are born uh, the next time that we encounter them. You will. Oh, yes, you will definitely see that. Okay, and it won't... It won't be because these Borg had human babies. No. Uh, You will see how Borg are created um, going forward, how they multiply. Okay. How they replicate. Well, they, um, they assimilate. They assimilate. They assimilate other, other things that they want and bring them into their own. They, they're vampires in a way. Yeah. Or the blob. You know, just just growing right. and growing and consuming and getting bigger and bigger and and being like this unstoppable force. So that line that I have heard in pop culture, you must assimilate. I thought that was a Doctor Who thing. Uh, uh, exterminate. Oh, exterminate okay. Doctor Who. Uh, sorry, exterminate Daleks from Doctor Who. Right. Assimilate Borg from Star Trek. Exterminate. Exterminate. 
<laughs> is that how they sound? I've seriously only watched like two episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. I have no right to call myself a nerd right now. So are the Borg scary to you at this point? No. They're kind of boring. Like, they have no... I get that the reaction... This was a very... It was too calm for what it was. This was meant to be an action-heavy kind of episode, and it's not because of the way the Enterprise is on The Next Generation. Picard is extremely thoughtful. Nobody whips out their guns. You know, he doesn't... Every single time thus far that he has talked to Worf, he's said, hold on, calm down, go away. Like, every single thing, every line he's ever said to Worf has been, don't react. Yeah. And he did it again this with this one. So nobody lets loose. Nobody gets angry. It's just missing a lot of fire. Except from Q. Q is the only one who's just like, you need to have fire to be out here. And he's right. Uh, and he is right, right? He's totally right. You can't just hop into space and not be full of courage and vim and vigor. I'm not actually sure what those words mean. But they, but they apply. No, they, they completely apply yes. there because you need to – I think they apply uh, – because you need to um, – you need to be able to, to, to deal with this stuff. Are you starting to get what Q might be up to a little bit? Well – Yes, he's still uh, – uh, you said it earlier. I'm just going to ask. Are we going to officially change our rating to uh, PG so that we can yeah. include a little bit yeah. of more colorful. Let's see. I believe that the, the term Spock used was more colorful metaphors. <laughs> I curse way too many times. Yes. So uh, we're going to change our rating to PG. So yeah, Q was a dick. Yeah. You know, he started up by being a dick by, you know, kidnapping Picard and then saying, well, yeah, I never said I'd, uh, I wouldn't. I said know, I'd leave the you. Enterprise alone, I'd... not you, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Yeah. We all heard him. So yeah, he was a dick. Um, we'll talk about the, the, the confrontation between him and Guinan in a minute. Okay. Uh, cause I definitely want to talk about that. But, um, what did you, th- what is he doing? What do you think he's up to? Well, I think that depends on whether or not he's got time travel, which I would assume if Federation at this point has time travel under their control, he totally does, which means Guinan does too. So he is. Uh, yeah, you know what? I need some backstory on him, too, because clearly they called him a, the Q Continuum. And we've had an episode that was referenced in this episode where Riker was asked to join the Q Continuum. So I haven't seen that. Um, and there's many Qs. So I'm yes. not even sure if the Q we're running into is the same Q that we've seen before. Is Do all of the Qs look alike? Or are the Qs kind of like you're a part of this group and you Riker could have joined, but he'd still look like Riker? Right. Those are all fantastic questions. So uh, let's see. So, so we're going to shift now from talking about the Borg because I think we've talked a lot about the Borg. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the development of Q, who he is today compared to who he was, what, five episodes ago during Encounter at Farpoint. Okay. And, and we've seen him a couple of times in between, like we said. Now, you didn't see him, but... People that watched it all the way through will have seen him in a couple of other episodes. He was a dick then, too, and and gave – during one, it's explained that he is a part of a group of people. The Q Continuum is a – not people – a group of entities that are up to – Big giant cosmic things in the makeup of the universe that we probably couldn't possibly understand, right? Right. Or at least that's what they think they are. 
because, you know, I guess you right. are what you think you are. So uh, he was a member of that group. Sure. But as you could tell, he is a trickster. I think you used the word trickster mm-hmm. before. Yeah. He, he's a bit of a pain in the backside. Um, oh, he's a pain in the ass. He's uh, a pain I in the ass. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> this is going to need to be... Put this in. Put this in the reminders in the spoilers. Be like, oh, spoiler alert! We've gone from G to PG thirteen so that we can use colorful metaphors. So like, we, we might want to make a note of that. Yeah, and it's not that we want to. I mean, you know, they they use the F word for the first time in Star Trek in Discovery. They used it once, and some people loved it. And I looked at it and I said, the only reason that they put it there was so they could put it there. We're putting it here because Q is a pain in the ass. We're putting it here because it's natural for us to say it. We don't even need to explain that. We're we good. don't. Um, but, but Q was a pain in the ass then, but he was a part of the continuum. And he even mentions in at the beginning of Q Who that he's kind of gotten kicked out. Um, right. He wants to join. He wants to the, join uh, Starfleet. He wants to join the crew. Which is ridiculous. And thankfully, Picard says no. You crazy chaos being. Picard says, to learn about you is, frankly, provocative, but you're next of kin to chaos. So it's like there's a developing relationship going on here between Picard and Q. I can see that because they're uh, two sides of the same coin. Everything that Picard, all of that Mm -hmm. rational stateliness uh, is, is the reverse, but just as intelligent and just as, I don't know. But, with, but he's such an ass. So I still don't like him. I don't know what he's up to. He introduced them to the Borg probably because, and he mentions it. He's like, it's like a bloody nose. Maybe he really does care. And he'd rather give him a bloody nose than to see them knifed in an alley kind of thing. Because they would have never known what was coming without this. Would they? If, if things happen, then you got to ask yourself, in the Star Trek universe, does anything happen organically? Well, let me remind you of one thing, and you may have forgotten this, and I I mentioned it as a a spoiler at the end of our last episode, so I'll just bring it up again. We did find a planet that had a scooped up city. Oh, that scooped out thing. No, we didn't see it. We we actually saw it. There was a, a great graphic in that episode, but we didn't see it in this, but it got mentioned. This was, this may have been related to what happened on planet whatever. It's very likely that the Borg are a lot closer to us, or at least maybe a scout ship. Somebody that's doing a little advanced research All right. is aware of our existence, and yet we weren't aware of theirs. Well, if it's only two years away from the Enterprise once Q has flung them out there, mm-hmm. then who knows how fast the Borg could get there. Exactly. Especially considering they're faster than us. The end when they're, when they're yeah, when the shields are being drained. They're faster than us. They seem to be better at, at fighting than we're, we are going to have to take some serious actions to be ready for when the Borg show up or we're going to be in big trouble. Well, I mean, can you really say it would be all that bad being part of the hive? Are they called a hive? They seem like ants. They, at some point, they will be referred to as a hive mind. So yes, okay, absolutely, so that's the hive. I was right on track with oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're picking up on the insect-like nature. Oh yeah, they did that. They did a really good job of. And plus, this is clearly a. Uh, it looks like is, a honeycomb, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like a beehive a little bit with all the the different receptacles. I didn't get that with the actual cube, which. 
I don't know about other space nerds, but this, and this is totally not in my notes, just a thought. Mm-hmm. How, like, that cube out in space, yeah. is that a smart thing or a stupid thing? Because the shape of ships is interesting. And obviously, the Enterprise is very sleek, mm-hmm. and you can have, like, flying saucers and that kind of thing. But when it comes to that, it's a cube. Yeah. Like, it looks so clunky. Right? Um, it does. Visually. It, it, it looked clunky on the... It did. It looked clunky, and yet, that cube will start to become more and more ominous as we see more and more of it. But uh, we're going to we're going to be learning a lot more about the Borg going forward. You are going to get to know so much about who they are, because we're going to meet some characters who actually talk. Do the Borg finally talk? There's no way. This is why it was partly so boring. Is that the enemies don't talk? The next time that you see that you meet the Borg, I promise you, the Borg will be talking to you. Okay. Or to us. And I promise you, you will not like it one little bit. All right. Okay. I like that. <laughs> and everybody that, that knows what's coming knows exactly the moment that I'm talking about. They all know. So we were talking about Q. Yes. So we were talking about Q. And we were talking about Q and Picard where we got on the Borg stuff. All the questions you asked. So do they all look the same? No. Some of them look like Corbin Burnson. <laughs> okay. Some of them look like that other actor whose name I can't remember. Some of them look like um, a young girl. So, yeah, no, they're all, they're all distinct. And at one point on Voyager, and we're not going to get to it in R52, but it's, a, it's an interesting episode um, about an omnipotent being's right to choose to die. Mm, interesting. One that has, has had it with being a Q. So we do get to explore the ethics of the Q. We get to explore a little more about what they're up to. So that was, are, do they all look alike? Um, you understand the collective a little bit more. They're right. all together. So the, the, the Q could, are not collective. Continuum. I live in California. We got collectives on every block corn, you know, every block now. <laughs> and yes, they asked Riker to join. He gave him those powers. Not a great episode. Interesting choice. Riker instead of, I don't know, literally anybody else on the ship. Interesting choice. Yeah, I think they were still finding their footing because because uh, even in Encounter at Farpoint, Q turns to Riker and says, you shall promise yeah. to him. Yeah. And I don't know if that was just to get under Picard's skin or not, but then the very next time that they get together, it's that promise that they say, we're going to give you this power. And then everything sort of shifts to this relationship between Picard and Q. Right. Well, when it comes to Q and Picard, mm-hmm. they do have that interesting moment where Picard finally, you know, screams out, I need you. Mm-hmm. Okay, screaming is a bit much for Picard. He does holler it. He does. But but it's but it's so musical. He's pretty desperate at that point. And he's never going to be humiliated into anything. Picard's just not having that. But what does that do to Picard to have to ask Q, who he hates, for help? Well, it does a couple of things. One, it saves them. Right. So it does that. So ultimately, was it the right move? It's the only move I could think of to, to, to do at that point if I was in his shoes. Well, to be fair, he did ignore a lot of warnings. Yes, Like he did. literally every single one throughout the entire episode. He's like, no, 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 we're just going to go on the ship. No, 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 we're going to explore. You're like, okay. He was warned. Yeah. At every turn. <laughs> well, and, and it was interesting how he had to argue Q back to please help us. 
Right. You know, whether whether he was just playing hard to get or not. I can't imagine that Q was willing to let them go through all of that just to die. I mean, what would be what would have been the point? You know, I suppose if the dungeon master thinks that the players did a really dumb thing, they're going to die. But they did everything they could, and this was just to teach them a lesson. About not going into space? No, about that you're not as ready as you might think you are. Or in this case, what right. I really think it is, is they're closer than you think, and you don't know it. Right. This is, I really think that he did this to even the playing field a little bit. He did this to say, they're coming. And I'll, I'm going to spoil the next episode just a tiny little bit for you. It's going to slightly continue the storyline mm-hmm. because it's all about we know the Borg are coming. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to prepare? Okay, then this is what makes Q a dick, is that he could have done all of that and Picard would have listened to him if the guy had like handed him a video file and said, here's what happens to people that mess with the Borg or here's what happens to anyone who is near the Borg. And Picard would have listened. And 18 people wouldn't have died. So Q gets his jollies from making his point, but making his point in a way that is, you know, grandiose and and requires costumes. And so he's just being a theatrical something or other. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, But in his opinion, and he even says it. If you can't take a little bloody nose, maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your bed. It's not safe out here. It's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross, but it's not for the timid. But we're already not timid. We're already out there. For him, 18 people dead. Not a big deal. I get it. Yeah. It's, for him, that is, you're going you're gonna to take much more damage. It's funny because I'm not I, I'm not sure whether I'm projecting something onto Q that's not there or that is there. I might be doing the same thing. <laughs> I know I know the future. Mm-hmm. I know some of the episodes, but as I look, he never stops being a dick. And there are some fantastic episodes. He loses his powers once. They take away his powers. And he has to choose to be something in an instant and chooses human and chooses the enterprise as the place to be. Um, Guinan stabs him with a fork. It's fun stuff. You know, seems pretty human to me. It's, it's fun stuff. If you want to see him brought down a peg. That sounds great. I think, I think he'll still keep his ego even being poked in the fork. Well, okay. What about, what is the deal with him and Guinan? Cause they've met before. That was very clear and not favorably. They have. And there's, there, there's something going on there. So we, you started to see a little bit of the mysticism of Guinan. So She's older than she says she is. By a lot. Yes. She is very long-lived. She is very long-lived. Now, the thing about Guinan, and you saw it early on in this episode, she knew something was up. Way, yeah. Before anybody else did, yeah. Something just felt off. Yeah. Something felt off. When Guinan gets a feeling that something is off. People should pay attention. People should. And people do. Because Mm -hmm. when they do, they usually discover that, that her feelings make a lot of sense and you'll see her get feelings in fu- in our future too because when she gets a feeling cool stuff is about to happen like, uh, yeah so she's got power she is very long lived mm-hmm. hundreds of years at least that we know of mm-hmm. well no because she said thousands because her people were scattered didn't she say at least like 
Yeah. There was thousands. Yeah, well, she mentioned. said that her people were, but she also said that oh, she wasn't that's, there. That's true. When right. it happened. Now, whether that means that she was alive in somewhere else or she was not right. born yet and she came right. after, I don't know. Gotcha. Because a lot of her back. She's the shepherd book. For those of you Firefly fans, yeah. she's the shepherd book of this show. She's the mysterious character that you really wish you could have learned more about. Mm-hmm. And she's also the character that has the ability to come back in any iteration of Star Trek at any time because of how ageless she is and because she also ages backward, forward, like the character. So an older Whoopi mm-hmm. Goldberg would totally work could very easily (gasps) work on a Discovery show. Are they going to do that? Do you see this happening? Well, I just came up with the most bizarre idea in my head. I don't see it. Mm. But, oh, my God, would it make... And, and by the way, she came up with a thing called hashtag bring back Guinan at at the convention. Oh, well, I'll tweet that. Yeah. There you go. I mean, this character has such abilities. Now, the problem is I don't know exactly what they all are. Clearly, Q is concerned about her being there. Well, clearly she's concerned about Q being there. Oh. Yep, but they're both they're both standing, not exactly toe-to-toe, more like Harry Potter wizard battle right. stance, you know, which was clunky and weird. I don't know what she was going to do, but she had her hands raised as though fireballs were going to come out of them, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I my, my first thought was, oh, it's Harry Potter. Um, That's not how you hold a wand. Don't be ridiculous. You know how old I am? I, I did see all the Harry Potter movies, and I actually read a couple of the books. So, I, you know, give me a little credit. But Fair enough. They're very they're very good towards the, the the movies are excellent, but the books start out not as great. Have you ever read? Okay, see now I'm talking all this other nerdy stuff. I wanted to say that my my favorite character thus far in the Next Generation is Guinan, and that surprises me because I really did think it was going to be Picard. I was like, I have a feeling this is going to be my captain. No, right now Guinan just like she's gorgeous in in her. mystery and depth and and insight i I really like it and yet again not necessary to have troy aboard just throwing that one out there i i hear you that poor character is just useless i you know i do want to talk about her because um in 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 making my list and in going through it a thousand times trying to like refine it I have had the hardest time finding good Deanna Troy episodes. I had no idea how poorly they treated that character. She just existed. And I can't tell what it is. I don't know how much of it is that they just wrote it poorly and that it was a bad concept or how much of it was was the actress herself. I can't tell. I think she's a good actress. There are moments. I think she's a great actress. Do you want to just talk track? Is there anything more about the episode that you yeah, want to I, say? I, I'll tell you what. There's one more thing I want to mention before we, before we finish our episode conversation and okay. then let's just get into talking track. Okay. And that is this. It's it's the end. It's the the conversation at the end of the episode with Picard and Guinan where she's talking about how we met them much sooner than right. we should have. Than we, we should have, yeah. And, of course, the very ominous ending, now that they know of our existence. What's out there, right. They'll be coming. Yes. 
they 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 create this ominous thing. We're going to see an episode. Uh, our next episode will deal with prep for that, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go almost a whole season before we actually get to them. But for us, it's only three episodes. Oh, okay. All right. And then we're gonna and then we're gonna see what happens when the Borg actually show up. Get here. Gotcha. Yeah, and we'll see how prepared we we are. We're not. If they learned about the shield that fast. Just forget it. They read your computer. If your computer's connected, if your ship with computer was connected to any kind of, for lack of a better word, mainframe at, on the home world or Earth and San Francisco or wherever the Federation is, uh, you're screwed. They know everything. And if they learn the way they learn, forget it. <laughs> Let's talk track. Let's talk track. I got to say both of them. <laughs> Look at you. You're like all giddy to talk track. Do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, I wanted to bring up, because this episode starts with something that we didn't talk about in the episode, is the the lady, apologizing Miss Motormouth, that Jordy seems to be quite enraptured with. Ensign Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez. Yeah. And she's super cute. She's adorable. And I understand how, like, I can kind of see myself in her because I get tongue-tied, and especially at interviews, if I'm going for a job or something, oh, forget it, I... I turn into that. But a part of me hates it because it's not strong. It's everything that guys, not even guys, that society tends to think is weak about women. Like, oh, she talks too much. She's too emotional. She's, uh, she has no confidence. It's, it's frustrating to it's see. It's the stereotypical female rookie. Yes. That has that's been written by writers with no imagination. However, she really, like, I don't want to say that this woman doesn't exist. Obviously, she exists in me just watching her, and you want to, like, laugh and cry at the same time for reasons that are completely different because she's very she's very human. She wants to do her best. This is a new job. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you never see new guys doing that. Well, um, hmm... Uh, I'm going to suggest uh, for near the end of our, our run. In fact, you could probably watch it at just about any time. There's an episode called Lower Decks. Okay. Uh, so Lower Decks. Well, I didn't even think I would be bringing this one up, but but I'll bring this one up. And this is about four lieutenants, four people that you almost never see. One of them is, is Nurse Ogawa, who I don't believe we've met yet. She's a nurse that works for Dr. Crusher in later episodes. And then there's three other... Um, they're not cadets anymore. They basically are, they're ensigns and they're not lieutenants, they're ensigns. And they're, um, two of them are vying for the same position, the same promotion. And there's a thing happening and they each are a part of it. And there's a guy Mm -hmm. that is so unsure of himself Mm. and, and he acts like she acted only in front of Riker. Like she, he can't do anything right to please Riker. Awesome. And the minute you, the minute you said, "How come it never happens with guys?" I thought, "Well, well no, 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 I remember no. that guy." And he, it does. he, he so, he so um, wants to please, and he comes across, and, and Riker's like, "Oh God, that guy just leave me alone." Right. You know, he comes across as so needy. Mm-hmm. So it's there. It's there, but it does right. take four or five seasons before they actually let a guy do it too. You're right. That's a later, later season episode. It's super subtle. It's not, and I'm not calling this, this is not an anti-feminist episode. Mm-hmm. No. It's one of those things that like, 
it's very binary in how they approach battle. Like, the women are sitting there, and we're going to ignore their advice, even though we respect them, and we're glad that they're at the table, but shush, we're going to send the men off to the ship. It's not meant to be like that. It's kind of baked into the stories that are just the way they are. Mm. Um, so I, I just wanted to recognize it, because it's not recognized in these really tiny, 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 subtle ways. It's not that I want every woman represented like a captain, because that's not real. Yeah. It's just really hard to see everything that it is derogatory. It's and it's not everything. Does she have like, to be? Does she have to be needy and klutzy and wide-eyed and have clunky language? Is I think what you're kind of getting at. Got another episode to recommend. Oh wow! Okay. All right. So and and this one requires a tiny bit of backstory. Um, this is an episode called the game. The game. Now, Wesley Crusher has gone off to uh, the Academy at this point. Okay. But the game, he is making a visit back to the Enterprise. So that's the, the thing that's happening there. And Wesley, who is now a cadet at the Academy but is hanging out on the Enterprise, will meet a, an ensign um, played by Ashley Judd. Oh, awesome. Um, who is everything you're looking for. Yay! Uh, yes, and she shows up in a few episodes, but this is definitely one of her best. This is definitely one of her best. It's called The Game. Um, it's another, for those of you who um, haven't seen it much yet, it's a, it's definitely a Wesley Saves the Day episode. Uh, but uh, so, does, so does Ashley Judd, and it's really a, a good, it's kind of a fun story. And it'll show you a, a little link into the minds of what science fiction writers thought the future of video games would look like. Ooh, okay. That's always fun. May not be as cool as you think. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. That's the way with old sci-fi. Yep. I mean, it's, yep. it's astounding, some of the old books, actually. So there's a couple of, of, of recommendations just off of uh, that because, but you're right, there's a, we're still not there. In The Next Generation, which I totally grant is not, there. there's a lot of women, there's a lot of strong characters, it's really good. Still not there. I, and, and let me tell you my frustration. I have been so frustrated, uh, even with, with choosing our next episode. I, I had my eye on one of two. One of them is a, about as strong a Deanna Troy episode as I could find early on. Because I wanted to do okay. it, um, that I that might be that needed. I chose, <laughs> that I chose not to go with, because mm -hmm. there's some elements I need to introduce in the one that I am going to go with. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it here. It's called The Hunted, The Hunted, and it's a third season episode. Uh, but it's a Diana Troy. Diana Troy. Diana, and it's about as strong as she gets. In, in the early seasons, in the early seasons, it's, um, she does a lot of counseling and, and, and it's also, by the way, it's got some strong PTSD themes to it, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, it never seems to go out of style for being relevant. That's sad. Isn't yeah, it sad? It's heartbreaking. Uh, but, and yes. but this definitely discusses how a society deals with soldiers coming back from a war. And it's done in a very Star Trek way. Mm -hmm. And there's some there's some uh, questions about whether or not we should interfere because they're requesting 
admission into the Federation. Sure. And, and she does some counseling, some actual counseling. Real empath stuff that nobody else could do. Yay! Yeah. So that's the hunted. So that's, but I'm so frustrated looking for good Deanna Troy episodes. There are tons after about the fifth season. Mm. You get an episode like Face of the Enemy where where she's basically kidnapped, altered to look like a Romulan, and placed aboard a Romulan ship and told, you have to help me get information to the Federation or we're all going to die. <laughs> all right. And it's all about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the story. I don't want to spoil too much, but it's it's strong. And she's this Romulan commander basically through this and she comes back and from that point on and then jellico makes her wear a uniform instead of all of her you know tight fitting whatever they are uh and she gets in that uniform and gets serious i'm sorry i'm i'm talking about this stuff happening late but it's what frustrates me is i i'm having a hard time finding that early stuff because they're actually the the show itself just isn't there. You've got Picard, you've got Riker, you've got Data, who I am fully functioning male. He's male. But he's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, all of them are. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the men. I'm saying that it's... There's... There's something missing. You had Tashiar, who they just started to figure out. Right. And gone. Guinan is given a seat at the table, kind of. But not uh, not as a like fleet officer or anybody. Uh, uh, Worf is a male. Wesley's a male. The doctor is, but she hasn't shown up very much. So just balance wise, um, I and I know it's it's going to get better. <laughs> but, well, well, and here's the thing. I I'm looking at these early seasons, and they're still trying to find their footing. Mm. And I've already started to look at um, Deep Space Nine because. Believe it or not, we're not that far away. I mean, we're a couple of months away from that. Right. So I've had to start prepping Deep Space Nine. And it's turning into the major Kira Norese show. And Kira Norese is one of the strongest female characters in all of... Like, I'm surprised at how... I'm struggling because every great episode seems to be about her. You know, and I can't show you five Kira Norese episodes. I just you can't. You can. You've shown me five episodes of, you know, Kirk and Spock in a row. So. Well, it's it's hard to get away from Kirk. If I showed you every episode that didn't involve Kirk and Spock as main characters. You wouldn't have any original series. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's baked into the stories. That There has to be a male there. And I'm just. It is. I'm. I'm excited for the time when that's not necessarily the case, when it doesn't have to be that way. Because I'm not sad that it is that way. I'm sad that it's that way so much. I, I, I at this point, you I do. have no choice but to agree with you. Because <laughs> you can't I even no, find it. I have Trek, Trek hysterostalgia. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember when we went through the original series and having to get to about episode I think Mirror Mirror was like episode seven, mm-hmm. where we finally got a strong Uhura. Yeah, even then. Where we finally got that episode where she pulls the knife. But and, yeah, you weren't going to mess with her. You don't mess with Uhura. Right, no way. And, and you know we're gonna we're gonna get to see Tashiar in a couple episodes. We're gonna get to see we're gonna get to meet a very strong guest star, um, in Commander Shelby coming up uh, right after that. Um, people that know who I'm talking about will be able to follow uh, some of these, and then. 
it, this, uh, we're going to find, ah, I'm frustrated. You're right. I'm frustrated by it. It's, it's okay to leave it at that. Most, a lot, like half the population is frustrated watching the original series. What am I watching next week? Here's the beauty. There's not a lot of, of spoilers that I need to give you before getting into it. And the episode features, which I really love, the ensemble. Oh, okay. So, big crew cast. I really think that most everybody gets an opportunity to shine in some way. They're all involved. They all get scenes. Wesley Crusher gets some moments. uh, So, you'll get to see him. Um, A lot of the characters are starting to to show up. Um, This will be the last time that you will see you in, in this track we'll see dr pulaski okay because we'll be leaving the second this is our last um second season episode is this part gonna change any opinion i have about her i hope so <laughs> okay you, you know what you know what i think is going on there i think it's the same i think it's the same thing going on with q i have projected in my mind what i think she's up to mm-hmm. especially regarding data and all the chiding, mm-hmm. all the stuff that she does with him, uh, and you'll see it again here. Um, I think she's up to trying to get him to explore it more. Some people like her, some people don't. And I can see... <laughs> you know where I land on that one. <laughs> you may not be on the same side as me. But either way, uh, this will be our last episode inside of season, season, uh, season two. Okay. So say goodbye to Dr. Pulaski after this. Um, but uh, And we're going to do it in style. We're going to do it with an episode uh, called Peak Performance. Peak Performance. All right. Peak Performance. Yes. Peak Performance. There's one other thing I want to mention about this episode, and it's a major reason why I wanted to bring it in here. Hmm. So, And I'd already mentioned earlier in, the, in, in our show that... The Borg are coming, and mm-hmm. the, this episode directly deals with how gotcha. we start to prepare. So I've given you a major spoiler. I want to make sure you remember that when we get to your prediction. Um, and and the other thing that I want I want to tell you about is there is going to be a new race that's going to sh- actually a couple of new races. Kolrami is his own thing. You'll meet that guy okay. right at the beginning. But at some point, the Ferengi are going to show up. So this is the introduction to the Ferengi that you're going to get in the next generation. This is, they've already improved. Okay. Is what I, is what I will tell you. Okay. And they're still going to look really goofy and you'll see. But this is, this is a, a good start. So all those spoilers and I can give my prediction? Yeah, I think that was, I mean, I, at some point, at some point it was important that you meet the Ferengi, which is a big reason I wanted to put this episode in. It also features the ensemble and kind of shows everybody getting to do things. And Cool. I think that this is going to be like, so they've developed... Uh, like Federation in preparation for the Borg, they've developed something like a pill or a super thing, uh, something you can put on. And I'm going to go with pill. They've developed a pill and they're going to call it something like vitamin craziness. (laughs) And this vitamin craziness makes this 
it brings out uh, something that's supposed to be strong, but then it also brings out their personality. So it's kind of like a mix of like war preparation and the naked time. So people are going to go a little bit crazy. And then they're going to find out maybe we shouldn't give drugs to try and make super soldiers out of our uh, explorers of the galaxy universe. Where? How big is this? Big. Space is big. You space universe then. <laughs> space is big, really big. You just won't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big it is. And we keep running across things. It's amazing that we keep finding stuff. You'd think there would just be empty worlds everywhere. And they all have two arms, two legs, and two eyes. That's astonishing. Isn't no, that funny? not always. Some of them are just light things, and some of them had little fuzzy tentacles. And we've run into some weird ones. We have run into some weird some ones. Some of and them have pointy ears. I would say some of the best ones have pointy ears. Some of the best ones do have pointy ears. So that's my thing. Uh, I believe you already plugged us earlier if you wanted to put that in like here. Well, let's put it in again. So because we would love to hear from people. Don't we want to hear from people? We do. I want to hear from you on Twitter at Begin the Track. Andy wants to hear from you on Facebook. At Beginning the Track. And our, our website is www.beginningthetrek.com. And you can comment there. So. You can comment there. You can comment on iTunes. Please comment on iTunes. Yeah, leave us we a review. We would love to hear your reviews. We would love to get your your um, as many stars as you think we deserve. We hope we deserve all the stars. We don't we, we we deserve all the stars. I think we, we do deserve. try to twinkle. And this is all about you know trekking through the stars. So. We need lots of stars. <laughs> In honor of Discovery coming out Sundays, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, as was the case, uh, I am going to be moving this to post after you've had your, for those of you who are like refreshing and waiting for that, you can get your retro version. When I watch peak performance, January, no, February 4th, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Enjoy the discovery, and then, you know, go back all the way some 30-odd years. All right. Well, in the meantime, off you go to watch peak performance, uh, and off I go to do the same. And we'll see you next week. You have a fantastic week, Jessica, and I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Guinan's the other new character that we're just getting to meet. Yeah, but you shouldn't say that because she's been in every single thing since... She's in Measure of a Man. Yeah. I shouldn't say that because she's been in two episodes already. Sorry, I flash back to what we're doing two ago. Uh, (laughs) I forget which episode we're on. Yeah. I'm watching so many of these. Like, I have to remember what you've... Where you are, where we are. It's a lot.